And welcome back to the Chirpin' Yodis podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. Join with me, as always, Stathead Grandy. And we actually have a guest tonight filling in for two of our co-hosts, Chase, who is celebrating his anniversary time with his wife. Happy anniversary to you, too. And Haynes, who is... I forgot what he's doing. I'm so sorry, Haynes. You're going to smack me in the future. Um, but boys, how are we doing? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Just watching some playoff hockey and... Uh getting ready to chat some coyotes with you also just real quick because i i have to every single time now but i swear you do that on purpose tyler the What's intro that? the intro you you pronounce it wrong come on man oh i was wondering what you're talking about. i was like what did i do wrong i thought i nailed it i wrote it down oh okay <laughs> <laughs> i was like i had to write it down on the sticky uh, note on my computer Man, you guys got me uh, feeling big shoes already and not filling them for one, but two. Pretty much, yeah. Both sizes. So this is Dale, a listener of the podcast, a friend of the podcast. Sir, uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into this thing. All right, my name is Dale. Um, I've been a Coyotes fan since moving out here to Arizona back in 2012. Been a season ticket holder for the past four odd years now. Been following this team through and through. Was it the 2012 run that got you into the Coyotes, or were you a fan kind of like before them? So, not per se. I When I moved out here, it was in uh, 2012, but it was in July, so it was well after the playoffs were over. Okay. And what's the from? Um, one more time? I said, uh, where are you from? Sorry about that. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, I'm originally from Ohio. Okay. Okay. So it's funny, you know, you think me being from Ohio, I'd be a Columbus fan. Originally, I was a Boston fan because, you know, before, what was 2000 when Columbus got their team? I was growing up as a uh, Boston fan because of my father. Okay. And so then you guys moved no, over I, here. Uh, what? Then you guys moved over in 2012. What brought you to the Valley? Uh, my father... Uh, was retired military, and uh, he was forced to retire during the time, looking for a new job, and he found one out here up at uh, Luke Air Force Base. He chose out here because when he was originally in the Marine Corps back in the early 80s, he was stationed out here in Yuma, and he loved it out here. That's cool. Man, so you... uh... You missed our lone bright spot as Coyotes fans. You've been here for all the pain. Oh, uh, yeah. I've been uh, through it thick and thin with this team ever since moving out here. Good times are coming, though. Good times are coming. That's all I can hope for. Good times, especially with Bill. I feel like he's got a solid plan set in place, and he knows what to do with it. That's something I wanted to ask you, actually, since you said you were a season ticket holder. Excuse me. What do you think of the ASU thing? Do you like those pricing? Do you think it's fair? What, what, do you, what are your oh thoughts on that? For someone that's like me, you know, that's way too hard out of my price range. I know because Tempe, that's over, like, you know, Scottsdale, Phoenix area, where all the more rich people are that can, you know, actually pay those kinds of prices. But for someone that's like me, I, I just can't afford it. It's too much for me. Even for a half season, it's too much. 
originally, you know, if they would have done, you know, like what they originally did out here, you know, the payment plans where you only had to pay a certain amount each month, I probably still would have done it regardless. But no, they wanted all the money up front. <laughs> like, I can't do that. Yeah, it's quite a chunk of change. I mean, it's I know it's it's a premium seat. We've discussed it on a podcast several times, but still, I mean, that's still nothing to, especially in this economy, you know, what's going on in the world. Yeah, uh, it's easy pill to swallow. No, especially not having that payment plan because having that payment plan is the whole reason I can afford season tickets up here in Minnesota. Without that, I mean, you just, yeah, it gets incredibly tough. And that's a large chunk of change to throw down all at once. Yeah, especially when they up the prices. You know, somebody that wants to sit on the glass, you know, coughing up $16,000 immediately. Like, that's the no-go for me. Even if you could, though, even if you had the 16K... With the park yeah, on the yeah, ice, would you pay it? Yeah, 16k. Let me just drop it for this one season where we're still going to be pretty bad. Yeah, but I say, yeah, like, would you still would you pay 16k for a bad team? Like, not saying we don't love them. Obviously, we do. But I mean, let's be honest, the product's gonna be pretty no, not I, good. For 16k for glass seats for a team that we're just basically going to see a copy and paste of next season? No, I really wouldn't. I that's hate true. to say it, but no, I I, I couldn't see myself dropping 16,000 for a team that's just going to be sitting down at the bottom of the league again. Yeah, I probably wouldn't even uh, when, when the arguments about the pricing all first started up, I was pretty slanted towards the Coyote side, to be completely honest. But the, as more and more time has passed and I've been looking at it more, it it's tough. That is a yeah. tough price hit. That is just incredibly tough to hit. Um, they even increased some of the uh, pricing on some of the sections. They increased oh. it. It wasn't by a lot, but... So, okay, so like, for example, Glass Row was originally 14350 They increased it to 16605 Good lord. I think they only increased Glass and then... You know, the I think it was called the Den. Or no, it wasn't Den, it was the goal line. So, you know, where Coyotes would attack twice, that entire area. The, the best seats, essentially. Yeah, they basically bumped that up by another $1,000. A lot of revenue to make up. You know, when you're going from pretty much, what, GRA had, what, like 13000 max capacity? Something like that, right? So, I mean, you're going to less than half, way less than half. Yes. Oh, got to make money somehow. Around. I get that, but dang, still expensive. It's like, you know, you might catch me at j- just buying a single game ticket, you know, every Honestly. now and then, but I know not a full season. Yeah, same. I'll definitely catch one or two, maybe three at most, but yeah, even then it's like, oh man. Yeah, especially in a year again, like there was games where I couldn't even stomach turn on this year. I watched roughly 65 of the 82 games, I think. But still, it just the product wasn't good, and more than likely we're looking at... I think it's going to be better than it was this year, but we're going to cover all of this later, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just... Oh. Just so real, 
Uh, I'm sorry, real quick, just going back to the Gila River seating capacity, it's 17,125 for hockey. Damn, I was way off. Jeez, that's, that's like I don't know, a third, right? I'm not the best at math. I joined the Army, crying out loud, so not the best at math. And we were averaging 11,000 attendees per game Ooh. this year. At least you'll have a great podcast like ours yeah. to cover it. Cover your pain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's one positive. And speaking of this, um, our fireside chat, that's a thing that we decided to go ahead and keep. We got some good um, feedback from it from a couple different sources. So uh, definitely it's one of those things we'll mix the hosts up. Maybe sometimes I'll be on it, sometimes I won't. Um, special guests that just come in for the fireside chat. Just something cool we got going on. So please do wait for the next episode of that. But tonight, right, was tonight started the playoff games. Um, unfortunately, I have stuff going on in my personal life, getting ready to have a move. So I didn't get to watch any yet. Put some on in the background here in a minute. Uh, but boys, have you guys been watching? And what do you guys think of the game so far? Good. God, the first two games on today were just lopsided. It was ridiculous. Toronto just yeah. absolutely manhandling Tampa 5 nothing. Might as well cover this one first, just get out of the way, because this is not what I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, a good, even match. No, Toronto just came out there and made their statement with uh, Tampa tonight. Yeah, I was talking up that Toronto-Tampa matchup as an incredible series. I thought for sure it was going seven games. I You could flip a coin and see who would win at the end, and Toronto decided to shut me up real well tonight. Oh, and, no, then, yeah. and then two of the other games just haven't been competitive either. At least this Kings-Oilers game is competitive. Right now, it's so, tied at three apiece with 7.51 left in the second. Yeah, so there's there's at least at least one competitive game. So that's always a plus. But, man, I just I hope the rest of this round one doesn't go like this. That's, that's we, all I can really say about it. Just pure domination by the Hurricanes and an absolute gobsmacked by the Maple Leafs. So, I, I will give Boston this. Their goalie, Linus Olmark, that was in that, or Linus, however you pronounce his name. Kid's great. It's just Boston's window is closing. Just having a solid goaltender doesn't, you know, give you a cup. No, you, and that's what you're. I think you're seeing with these playoffs, and we'll continue to see this year, is you're seeing the old guard, the Boston, the Pittsburghs, the uh, Washington Capitals. You're going to see them. You're going to see most of that core just part. either retire or go elsewhere. Yeah, and you're seeing the new guard, the Torontos, the Carolinas, the Floridas. You're seeing these guys rise up and take that new mantle of power, especially in the East. The West is a little bit different, but the West is a little bit more fluid. There's, It seems like there's a lot more new teams in it this year. Um but it's I'm still looking forward to the playoffs. I don't still gonna watch a lot of games. But man, some rough games to start. Yeah, those were two rough games right off the bat. I was watching it's like, oh my lord, these this is just atrocious to watch. The at one point in that Toronto Tampa Bay game early on Tampa had a five-minute power play 
I knew you were going to go shot there on goal. This one. one shot on goal in a five-minute power play. And uh, just it, if, Toronto made it look if, like they're playing five-on-five. Five. If the current Coyotes had one shot on goal, the current one, the ones that had, a, had one shot on goal on a five-minute power play, I'd be booing them off the ice still. No, I, that'd be expected. Incredible. But <laughs> one shot on a five-minute uh, power play out of this group of Coyotes, they're like, sounds about right. Oh. So who's the most fraudulent right now? If you had to pick one off base of game fraudulent? one only, a fraudulent team in that playoffs right now. Tampa. Tampa's are frauds. Tampa. Tampa's. I will. I will board the troll train on this one. Tampa's a fraud. They're Fair finally enough. realizing oh. they can't circumventilate. There's yes, yeah, circumventilate the cap. Bubble's not going to help them. Pulling, playing a full 82 season, and now they're getting beat around like they should have been the past, past two years. Um, Made the full seven games. I don't know. Calgary's good. They're my sneak peek here, but they're my pick to win the puck. So I have the uh, right mix. Got, uh, we'll see. Calgary's built to win in the playoffs with size, but a lot of speed and skill still. Um, but it's going to be a great playoffs because there's there's three, four teams you could look at and say, well, how do they not win the cup? Colorado, how do they not win the cup? Carolina, how do they not win the cup? So, uh, Carolina's good too, yeah. I feel I mean, like yeah, the there's... East is more going to be heavy stacked out of who's going to come out. Like that one easily could just be a crapshoot. The West, you could probably make more of a accurate guess of who's going to come out into the finals. Yeah. All year long, we've been talking about how the East is a bloodbath. It just, it's so close. And every single team in the East that made the playoffs finished with over a hundred points. That's remarkable. Crazy. Um, just insane. The East is closed. It's going to be fun. Any team can make it out of there. Although, like I said, I strongly think it's going to be still the one and two seed. But we play these games for a reason. Um, if we just gave games of unseeding, then, well, Montreal would have made the Stanley Cup last year. <laughs> That's true. But with the season Mont- kind of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, Montreal is the reason I'm hesitant to call a team a fraud after one game, because after one game last year, they looked outclassed. And then they just um, shut it down the rest of the way. They also had Price and Net the entire way, which they didn't have him at all this year. And and this is the biggest thing that they had last year, even over Price, in my personal opinion, was they had the absolute shutdown duo of Oh, I'm blanking on his name. The center, the one that they lost to Old Los Caulfield? Angeles. Oh. oh, um, wait to L.A. Donal, yeah, Donal. Oh, Donal wasn't he a defenseman? No, he's a center. He just plays defense like a defenseman. He's insane at it. Who's uh? Oh God, who's the defenseman I'm thinking of? That's on Montreal. Weber. No, not Weber. Uh, it's a different another guy. I think it begins with a D as well. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I am 
Yeah, I'm blanking on that one too. So you can try and look it up. But yeah, the Weber and Denol combo, they just shut down every line that those two went up against. Denol at center, Weber on the defense, they just shut them down. And I thought was a huge was part of it. Edmondson? No, I, I can't remember who it was. Maybe he did get traded away. I just can't. I just can't remember where he went. With the uh, playoffs starting, it seems like um, you know our season's over. Obviously, but we yeah. also have another thing that's over. Um, we are no longer be playing at Gila River Arena, and so I thought it'd be just a fun idea. I know Peach Knicks did something very similar, so I guess the inspired by uh, that great podcast, I would like to say, do you guys have any cool Gila River memories that you have? And if you remember your first game there, if you can. My first floor. I'll start this one off. So I remember uh, I was in school. This was back when right before the season before we traded Domi for Galchenyuk. It was like near the end of the season. I think we were playing the Predators. And it was like, you know, my first game at, you know, going to a Coyotes game is like, wow, this place is amazing. This is electric. Great atmosphere, you know, teams playing well. Like, I was having a great time there. I was really getting into it. It was a fun arena to go to. I actually do like the arena. So I don't like where it is. I, I, I know everyone says it, but Glendale's is yeah. an awful drive. Absolutely awful. But if I like the arena. Out East Valley, yeah. And I usually am. When I came to visit family, they're on the in Mesa and Santan Valley. So that's where we're coming from. So it was just terrible. Yeah, there's I lived a, in Arizona. I was in northern Arizona, so it was always nice for me. But I can also understand completely how uh, how it wasn't for people. And yeah, because we didn't even bother going to the East Valley so often when we hit Phoenix because it's such a it's such a painful drive through traffic and all of that. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, not fun. It's not, but the arena itself, though, I did like. I liked the way it looked. I think it looked nice. I, mean, I know uh, Craig Mark said there's some definitely some issues internally, but I mean, what, what arena eventually doesn't have those, especially one as old as that, you know, starts to age. But yeah, the arena itself, I like. And Westgate was cool. I wish it kind of became what it was supposed to, but it's still a pretty cool place. Cool enough, I guess. I went to a game opening season. I just cannot remember who against. I think it was Sharks because. Do you remember what year Sharks it was? Game. Maybe. Three. It was. 2000, it was 2007, I think, the first year there. I mean, I went to games just about every year when I lived in Arizona, so I just can't. I think it was the Sharks. But I just remember being in so, awe, so much awe of the stadium after years at the America West Airlines and that uh, poor first- situation. Their first game uh, back in 07 was against St. Louis. First game in 07 was in St. Louis. Our first game in Hilo was against the Predators, so it can't be that year. Like I said, no, I don't remember the year. Dude. I just. What's that? Uh, first game was in 03 at Hilo. Oh, there we go. Yeah. It... Man, I'm getting old. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, uh, yeah, 
But like I said, I went every year as a kid and as a teenager growing up. So, um, I couldn't tell you the name of the team. I couldn't tell you the game, but I know I went that first year. I just remember being in so much all over it after America West. Because America West just wasn't built for hockey, and you could tell every time you went in there. I still call it that, by the way. I don't call it the Footprint Center. I keep calling it America West. I call it. I called it American West, even as it was Talking Stick or whatever it has been over the years. Oh yeah, I forgot it was Talking Stick Resort Arena, and then it was Phoenix Suns Arena there for a while. Speaking of Phoenix Suns, they're up ninety six seventy nine at the end of the third. Yeah, my uh, sister's boyfriend's a huge Mavs fan, so he's been texting me throughout this thing. <laughs> this game's oh, crap, man. You get to rub it in. Oh, yeah. Fuck he's even like, oh, I told him Suns and Five, so. <laughs> my favorite uh, my favorite memory, though, of Gila River, you know, is the whiteouts there, the playoff games. <laughs> Those were such great. A, such a great atmosphere. Just incredible. Um, 2010 against Detroit, that was something else. Um. Almost got into a fist fight as I'm walking out the arena. Oh, <laughs> uh, just I almost got into a fist fight with a Detroit fan this season. So this Detroit season. fans, they just awful people or what? Yeah. Oh, Detroit. Fans it was right after your absolute uh, worst. The worst. Just, every, just everyone who cheers for Detroit can go suck an egg. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> Just, Not that I, I, don't I know, know that I have a Zetterberg in the Zetterberg jersey in the closet next to my dad's suit. Not that I have that hanging Ew. out. That's my family's team, <gasps> actually, weirdly enough. <laughs> so, part time Red Wings fan, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the inside joke of that. Yeah, that's why I was like, I don't know if they able to catch that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's me. I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm sucking the egg, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. My first game there, I don't know what year it was. I was a kid, but I remember the giveaway. And I remember who we played, but I don't remember the year. Oh, my buddy Brendan O'Connor and his family. It was the Mr. Potato Head giveaway. So someone could somehow find when that was given away. That's the game I went to. I don't know what year it was. I remember it was eight, that giveaway. Yeah, I had one. I it has since become pieces in my in some bag somewhere. I know I have found the arm the other day while moving stuff around, but um. That was the first game I went to at Gila River. Um, and then my favorite memory was I went to a Kachina Saturday when I went up there for a, trying to join the Tempe PD. I had a test the next morning, or no, the morning before, excuse me. And uh, took, went out there with my cousin, my aunt, my girlfriend at the time. And it was a good time. We shut out the avalanche. So, and Phil Kessel scored. So, it was a good day. That was my favorite memory there, for sure. That was like 2019, I think. Yeah, 2019. Yes. Mm-hmm. Have you? I know you've seen it, Tyler. Have you seen Dale? The picture of me decked in white with white face paint on from the 2010 playoffs. <laughs> I don't think I have. Oh my god! I'm gonna. I'll have to send that to Twitter after the game. Profile picture manifested. Ugh. Oh man! But are you guys gonna miss Gila River? I mean, I know. Its location wasn't the best, and it may not have always been the best team to watch, but are you going to miss the arena 
personally. I mean, I don't know if you guys have that much of a personal connection to it or not, but. Yeah, I, I'm going to miss it just because, well, for me, it was just an easier drive to get out there because it only took me 20 minutes. That's awesome. But yeah, it, I really liked the arena. It was real nice. I'm going to I'm gonna miss it. The place. What's that? Yeah, sorry, That's I was good. talking over you. No. No, go That's ahead. But the no, uh, no visual. We're working on that. We're gonna definitely get that Microsoft Teams stuff up so we can see each other a little easier. Yeah. yeah. No, you finish your thought there, then I'll go. No, I was gonna say I just never had a problem with the arena. I really was... enjoyed the place. Yeah, same outside the location, which is everyone's gripe. I think. I think if it was anywhere else, I think it would have been fine. And that's just it. I think the location to help or doesn't hurt, but. It's also got to be said that a large part of why we couldn't kill it is the performance our online. lack of exactly yeah, our I mean, lack yeah. of a good product. Yeah. That's um, the thing is, like, I know a lot of people gripe. I, I know Mac is definitely more of an expert on this than I probably am, but I mean, no one really likes to cheer for a losing team all the time. I mean, like even the Red Wings, you know, they have a good history. Montreal. A lot of the teams that are kind of not the best right now still have victories and have moments of greatness. So it's just kind of hard when our team has the 2012 run, really. We also yeah. we also need to remember, though, too, that We're young. Pittsburgh, before they had Crosby, was on the verge of relocation. Ottawa's on the uh, verge Chicago, right now. Chicago, before they got Kane, was one of the worst attendance-wise in the league this happens. When teams are bad and bad consistently, this happens. Um, you just you can't fill an arena because hopefully you want to go see the product. But yeah. more to the question of if I'll miss it. I'll miss it because the memories. I'll miss it because just the remembering the awful experience that... America West was, even though the games were fun, the the game, the experience itself was bad. Um, just the in arena stuff because it just again wasn't built for hockey. Um, I'll miss it in aspects more than anything. Though I'm just excited for Tempe to officially get built and all of the all of that bridge gets crossed and all of that later on. Um, I think we're all going to remember the ASU time, but I really hope it doesn't take more than the three years we think it will because it's just we need to get that deal done and quick. Yeah, exactly. And I know it's one of those things where it's red tape and legalese at this point, and that just takes time to power through, and we have to move at the city's pace, but man. It would be nice to start breaking ground on it. Either it would be nice to break ground on it essentially as the new season kicks off. That way, you have something there, and you know it's there, and you can feel good about it. I can't wait for that. I really, I think, I think it will. I feel I have a good feeling about it. I mean, I think um, this ownership group. I mean, it may have started out kind of rocky, but like I've all kind of said at some point, you know, the future is bright. I think this team will become 
the team we've always kind of envisioned it. And can't wait to see it, though. Uh, rest in peace, Gila River Arena. I hope uh, you enjoy your bull riding and the three concerts that'll go out there. So yeah, rest in pepperonis, baby. <laughs> but the final game. We played uh, Nashville, and we had quite the comeback. Uh, I guess just because we're in the rebuild session and every game kind of counts. Are you guys happy that we were able to come back with that final rally and kind of close out with a win, or would you rather just have kept the tank season going and uh, taken the final L instead? Well, honestly, with it being that last game, with the last game being already decided as far as the tank, with going into that game where we were already locked into two, um, win it. Just win it. Get, go out on a bang and Gila River. Win the last game. Um, if we had had a chance to get the first overall pick, that becomes a different story because as much as it would be nice to leave Gila River on a high note, getting the better picks overall would be more beneficial for the team long term. But like I said, just with the situation going into that last game, win it. Win it, and on a high note, move on. Dale, you got some thoughts? Yeah, yeah I was like, when the game first started, I was like, Wow, we're already doing this, man. This is a great way to go out. Like three goals, not even three minutes in. I'm like, oh god, this is gonna be a long night. But as soon as they, you know, came started, you know, momentum started swings. Like, all right, you know, worst we can do is, you know, second to last in the league. We're clearly not gonna move. Go out on a bang. Let's get this W. And they did. Yeah. They certainly did. How, how that game felt when it first started, I thought for sure it would be the most Arizona Coyotes game of all time <laughs> to have the final game in Gila River Arena be a blowout where we just got ran out the building and we didn't have a chance at the first over, first overall odds. Yeah, that'd be uh, the most Coyotes way to go. That would have been yep. the most I feel like the dunking on us would still be going on right now if that were the case. Oh, man. But the season's over. Season's moved on. Uh, just looking at May 10th now. Exciting. Very excited. Eight more days, boys. Eight more days. Very excited. I request that day off of work and everything. If I'm not moving that day, should be good to go. So, uh, I guess we kind of talked about it, but do you guys want to add any extra thoughts to a post Healer River Arena world? What's going to look like? What you personally think, or we want to just glaze on to the next topic, which I think is a bit more bitey. I feel like Gila now that they don't have the Coyotes, that place isn't going to be doing too hot. It's like, no. how many concerts are you going to be able to get in there per year? It's like. All those plus, you know, you could have as many bull riding competitions as you want there, but it's it's not going to help yeah. it. It's not eighty or forty one guaranteed events. Yeah, and it's like I mean, plus the concerts. I mean, how many com- spots do they have? They have um, what was it called? Uh, Pavilion. I can't remember its name. 
Uh, they also have Footprint Center. I mean, there's just better locations than freaking Glendale. I mean, yeah. They're also going to have a Tempe Entertainment District. Open yeah, that too. That's going to be another dagger. Yeah, that's a dagger. I think even the Cardinal Stadium, State Farm Stadium, I think hosts like big concerts too. So, I mean, it's like you really just, now, I don't know what well, Gila River or Gila was, or, you know, but Glendale was really thinking that bull riding is going to survive them and keep them yeah. afloat. I mean, and there's those businesses inside Westgate. I mean, those 41 nights, you're guaranteed a lot more traffic. 10,000 more people a night. And Yeah, uh, I feel cool. like all those little businesses in um, Westgate are going to take a huge hit now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's that's why I feel worst about in this whole situation. Is, they're the biggest loser. Absolutely. Yeah. So, there's going to be a lot of people losing their jobs over there. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And I hope, I hope for Glendale's sake, I hope for their sake that they're right and they're able to fill it up more often than we think they will. It just doesn't seem like it with all the writing on the wall and common sense and all of that. But I, I don't wish ill will towards Glen, the city of Glendale or anyone there. I just, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be rough with that arena sitting empty. Yeah, because the Cowboys were built be a- to be the centerpiece. Because they're meant yeah. to be the thing that they built around. And I know the economy took a deep dive, you know, a couple of years after the arena was built and things like that. But I mean. I still rather have the 41 nights of 10K plus people coming in than not having it. Especially because, you know, hockey season is during Christmas. So, I mean, there's shopping district. I mean, there's a lot you could have done. And it's just, it's, it's sad, really, to see those, a lot of them, small businesses just fold under. But I guess time will tell. Maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe. But overall, would you guys say that the Glendale experiment was a bit of a waste? And the Cardinals seem to kind of work out for them, I guess. But would you say Glendale held back the Coyotes in a way? Would you say that maybe, you know, it led to us not having uh, an owner for a while? It led to us having ownership issues because they are probably bleeding out money. Luckily, our new owner is a billion, a bajillionaire who makes money on sports betting in hotels and casinos. But, I mean, if we didn't go to Glendale, you think we would have been ahead? What's that? Go ahead. I can start on this real quick. Go ahead. I think... I think Craig Morgan said it best recently when he said that as much issues as we've had with Glendale, as much issues as we've had with all of us around, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be in Arizona if it wasn't for Glendale. It's hard to call it a waste when we stayed in state because this city stepped up to take us. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard... Craig Morgan and Steve Peters talk about it, but when Glendale stepped up and really saved us and did all of this, we were minutes away from moving to Portland. Minutes away. And so, yeah. I can't call Glendale a waste for that reason because we still have them. Um, Say whatever you want about the location. Say what you want about the issues with fans and all of that. Coyotes are still in Arizona, so no, it's not a waste. Yeah, I wouldn't go as hard saying um, Glendale was a complete waste. I mean, yeah, it hurt that it completely alienated most of the fan base. 
you know, forcing them to come out further just to see a game or two. But how do I want to put this? I mean, it, you, it did serve its purpose. Like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, to me, the way I've always looked at it, like I said, is this purpose was to keep the calories in the state and it worked there. Right. Yeah, so I gotta give them that. I gotta keep Glendale that at least. I mean, yeah, so I don't wish Glendale them totally ill will. Keep the coyotes here. So I can't really call Glendale a full waste. Yes, it did hurt the you know the fan base coming out here, but they kept the coyotes here, which was the biggest thing. Now, could they have done something better? Probably, but we got what we got. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, now it looks bad, but I mean, well, I guess back then they thought it was bad too. But I mean, who knows? I guess someone, or maybe it could have worked out. Maybe if the recession didn't happen, or maybe, you know, maybe Glendale would have blown up the way that it was supposed to. Kind of what Craig Morgan was saying the other day. I mean, who really just says? I'm sure there's an alternate universe somewhere where the river's working out and the highways are flourishing somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. I guess the last thing that um, closed out this season is well. Our season, we're done playing for the year. So obviously, we're all hardcore Coyotes fans. They're one of this podcast, and those that listen and all that. We kind of saw that this season wasn't going to be a playoff caliber season. But did it end up where you thought we were? Did we get more points than you thought? Did we get more games won? Did we get more uh, special moments like the final game than you thought? I just want to get your kind of overall thoughts at the end of the season before we kind of get into the last little bit here and wind this thing down. Uh, Grandy, if you want to start this one off for me, buddy. Yeah. Um. Right off the right off the bat, before we go any further, the biggest best thing for me, the biggest takeaway from this season for me, is that the Battle of Keller Hill finally felt like it was successful. To see Keller take the leap he did this year was amazing, and I, like I said we had a podcast where we all talked about how we saw it coming. So we did have watching it come into fruition this year was amazing. It was my favorite part of this year. No doubt. Um, as far as expectations, honestly, we finished right around where I thought we would. I think we were within eight points of the prediction I made on Fowlers and Growlers. Um, it's, uh, it, we finished where we thought we, where I thought we would. I wasn't expecting as much periods of success as this team had. And that was nice to see because it's always nice. I hope next year it's a little bit more spread out so we don't have long losing streak decent winning streak, long losing streak, but um, overall, the season was I have to say better than I expected because I didn't expect to like this team. I expected to groan with most of these players. I expected to want most of these players shipped off. Um, 
I wasn't expecting to like Travis Board. I wasn't expecting to like the team in general because so much of it was placeholders. But this team, despite all of that, kind of grew on me. And yeah, I mean, it was it was still a fun season, even with everything going on. But uh, Dale, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, me personally, I, this is exactly where I thought we'd be, right down at the bottom of the league, right as, you know, they came out and said, look, this is a rebuild. We're going to be down at the bottom. I fully expected us to lose and lose hard. Yes, it did hurt to see all these losses, but I knew what I was expecting. And like how you're talking about, you know, all these placeholders, like, some of these guys coming in is like Nick Ritchie. Look at him. He was a guy that we got from Toronto for Labushkin. And I feel like he's worked out pretty well with this team, given, you know, what we've had. And real quick, simply because I have to. It's just, it's in my DNA. I have to call this up. But I am really glad that Tyler's predict- preseason prediction was so wrong on which player he thought would really disappoint the most. I don't remember who I said, to be honest with you. Shane Goss despair. Oh, that's right. That's right. had a spectacular season. How did I give him the uh, reverse jinx, bro? Planned it, right? I did. Fully planned. That was fully planned. Felt like Ghost, he... He had a resurgent in his season. So, yeah, you know, that was a great plus for us. And I guess you guys have said it, but the Clayton Keller really was really nice to see. I'm really glad he stepped up. I mean, I know he shut a lot of people up this season. I definitely didn't see the he, cement. Yes, he did. He actually proved a lot of doubters wrong yep. that, you know, he he can play, you know, top-level hockey. I think Chikrin disappointed a bit. Chicken, I, I can't really fault him on this one. It's like he didn't have the team around him with the talent like what we did last year. He didn't have the team around him. I still think that's giving him a little bit of an excuse. Yeah. But at the same time, we traded his best friend on the team before the season started. Um, He... He thought we were coming together, according to his own words, but we'll get to those again later. And then we just bought him out and rebuild. I just think he was dealing with distractions with the trade. I think he was dealing with distractions from wanting to be on a winning team. I think he was dealing with a lot, and that kind of affected his performance. And right before he got hurt, unfortunately... We were starting to see the old chicken back. So, um, I have no doubts he'll be back next year. Whether whether that's here or somewhere else is to be determined, but I have no doubt he'll be chicken next year. I think so. I trust Bill Armstrong on that, too. If he does trade him, I know he's going to get the best price for him. I don't know. Bill's going to, if Bill's trading him, he's going to get top, top tier price for him. For sure. Okay, I so here's my that. hot take on that one. Okay, let's hear it. Chikrin, because, you, you know, talking about 
say worst we do is like third, fourth pick, whatever. We were talking about this in, you know, one of those uh, Twitter spaces last night. They said, you know, they would use him to trade up positions. I don't think they would do that. But no, but my take is um this. We're not going to see him traded at the, you know, before the draft. And he's staying a Coyote. Mm. This will be the end of the trade talks. He's going to stay here as a Coyote for the remainder of his contract. Okay. Hot take. Should we write that one down? I don't see Chicken going anywhere. I don't see anybody paying the price like what Tampa did at the trade deadline. I mean, because they gave up, what, two firsts and two players? Yep, for Brandon Hagel. Yeah, Bill looks at that and he's like, I can get more than that for Chikrin. I think with Bill, though, he's not so much looking at the... Because he, they got back two bad firsts, two end of the first, and two guys who are going to top out as third-line players if they hit. Um, I think Bill's looking for the premium asset. I think Bill's looking for a top-10 pick back. I think he's looking for uh, A-type prospect. I, yeah, he's looking for that top-tier stuff. I think a team will pay it. But I don't know if they'll hit 100% of what he wants. And given that with what he's shown, he has no fear hanging on to an asset if he doesn't get his asking price, which you have to respect for him. It's what makes trading... It's what makes people know that he's not bluffing on Chikrin. He'll get. He'll either get his price or he'll keep them. Um, I still. I think he'll be traded. I would not use him as a trade chip to move up because I don't see him using him as a trade chip to move up in the draft either. No, that's that's a that's a rough price to pay to move up. Yeah. Or an unguaranteed player, because you'd have to give up your pick, Tickrin, and they'd have to give up other stuff back. Yeah, no, I'd rather just trade them for, like, say, the Senators, who are looking to win next year. Trade them for uh, their pick this year, another pick next year, and a couple of good prospects. Um. If he gets traded, that's the kind of deal I think we'll make. It's, I think the Senators and I think the Blue Jackets are two teams that could very easily be getting him with a top I would 10 like to, pick this year. I would like to maybe throw the Panthers in there just because, you know, it would give him a reason to go back home pretty much, go where his family is. They don't have assets to get him at this point unless they gave up Anton Lundell and – they're not giving up Anton Mondale. Yeah. Nothing about Chikrin and his price there. That's not... He's worth Anton Mondale, but the Panthers would be crazy to give up Anton Mondale. Well, speaking of um, the draft, we have the odds released. I was it the other day? Montreal at 13.5, yep. yep. and then Seattle at 11.5 for the top three, or bottom three, I should say. 
I will say this is why it was so important for the Coyotes to finish worst because Montreal has an 18.5% chance to win, but in reality, they have a 25% chance to pick first because um, if any team but if any team passed 11 1 for them, all that that team does is jump up 10 picks. Um, They're most likely. The Montreal Canadiens' most statistically likely thing to happen is they drop one pick. Whereas because we fell and we got that second spot, our most statistically likely thing to happen is to drop two picks. Oh, boy. Um, obviously, we all hope it doesn't happen. Uh, I, we don't think it will, but the nice thing about this and why it was important to at least get second was... This really seems like a four-player draft. So to get one of those four players, you're at least getting a piece long-term for the future. A great piece to build your team around and will be one of, if not the centerpiece of your team long-term. So Edmonton's getting the first pick overall, then. what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're in the playoffs. They really can't, but you know, I mean, the NHL loves them the most. So yeah, because you know, why yeah. not have them have a line of Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, and then Shane Wright. Yeah, and Shane Wright actually, Shane Wright actually plays defense. That would actually help them out. Huh. That's how they're gonna do it. Uh, can't wait for man, I think oh, I think the NHL. Would literally, I think Gary Bettman would be crying himself to sleep if that situation happened. He'd be assassinated. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure well, the fans would go crazy. I'm pretty sure that well, and what's Edmonton funny is, has had three first round or three number one picks in like the past decade. Yeah. And yeah. what's funny though is because we've talked, I've talked with this about with people before. Everyone points to this as being the proof that the lottery's rigged. Well. There's no way. You don't send Connor McDavid to Edmonton. There's no way you send Connor McDavid to Edmonton. There's just you just don't do that. If anything, if it was rigged, Connor McDavid would be a coyote. The yeah. team that they owned, that they were trying to sell, that they were looking to get profits out of. Yeah, if it was rigged, Connor McDavid would be a coyote. It would have made the most fiscal sense for the NHL. Whereas well, if we got this top tier player on the team that we're trying to trade or trying to sell off. You want it? Bring you some good exactly. money. Just yeah. ups the value of generational talent. Whereas in Edmonton, he's in Edmonton. I mean, as good as he is, it barely felt like he was talked about this year because he's in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not it's not a franchise where you want your face of your face of your league to play no I felt like he didn't get talked about much because everybody was talking about how Trevor Zegras was literally just killing the Michigan goal or Austin Matthews with his 60 goals or Kale McCarr with his 30 goals as a defenseman plus 60 assists or Roman Yossi almost hitting 100 assists it felt like everyone was getting more talked about than Connor McDavid. 
It's because the league's finally realizing, oh, there's actually more players than Connor McDavid. He's also in Edmonton, and there's it's hard to market that team. I mean, he, Connor McDavid should be the most marketable. He should be the face of the league. It's just, again, how can you market Edmonton right now? It's why, like I said, if it was rigged, if it was truly rigged, McDavid would be anywhere. Uh, that's a really cool take, though. I like that. If it was truly rigged, the Coyotes would have him. That's that's a pretty cool take, actually. That's something I not heard. Good take. I don't like it because um, it means more, that I'm not justified in yelling at the NHL, but I'll take it. More thoughts on the draft lottery. Um, so we did something similar last year with our Discord, but this year we're going to be hosting a Twitter live for it where everyone Twitter who's spaces. welcome. Yeah, Twitter spaces. That's it. Thank you. To everyone who wants to can jump on in. Um, we're all just looking to get there, have a good time, talk to the draft, talk some prospects, uh, just chit chat about the Coyotes as we're watching 30 minutes of something that should take five minutes that's going to decide our future. Logan Cooley, here we come. Hey, it's a cool uh, last name. I'd still be thrilled. Logan Cooley's going to be a beast. If we don't Professor get him, Grandy that's knows. the next best option for the Coyotes is get Logan Cooley. He's that top center that this team needs. Yes. Exactly. Um, I see Dill still gets me excited. I keep picked ninth overall. I can't imagine. Then oh, you my have, God. Have, see, that'd be a line right there. Maybe uh, Keller, uh, Gunther, and um, Cooley. Cooley all on one line. Thank you. That'd be your Take top it. line right there. Nasty. And then if if you do miss out on the top two picks, and you do miss out on the two centers, it's not ideal, of course, but you still have Simon Nemich, the guy who looks like a awesome defenseman, great transitional defenseman, good at moving the puck, good at protecting or good at transition the just guy who looks like he'll be a top pairing defenseman, and then Uri Slavkovsky, who looks like another Miko Rantanen, power forward with size, skill, hands, all of it. There's guys in this draft that we're going to get a good player no matter what. It's just we want the centers. We want the center. Need it, really. But to start wrapping up, we did have, we kind of alluded to it, uh, I believe, earlier. But Jacob Chickren made some interesting comments. I just thought, you know, I want to get you guys' opinions on. Um, and the Craig Morgan article on PHNX, which uh, if you haven't read it, please give it a, a good read there. Um, it says that he just is a, to paraphrase it, I was reading it out, actually. I've been here my whole career. I absolutely love it here. And it seems like every time we get to a point where else we're going to be getting there, it just gets torn down again. That's kind of tough for me a bit this year, just naturally as a human being and a competitive person. Uh, skipping ahead. Yeah, saying that when asked 
about the trade. He said, I don't know. I'm signed for three more years, so we'll see the trajectory of where the team is going. All this stuff is important to me. I want to be in a position where I'm ready to play a week from now, not packing up and leaving the boys. Actually, the biggest thing for me is just having the competitive driving me, a burning desire to win a Stanley Cup. So, I just want to get what you guys think of that. Does that sound... I don't know. Just give me your thoughts, actually. I really don't have a question it's to follow a, up. So, I can understand where he's coming from, you know, because this before the team was broken down, you know, stripped to the studs and everything, he was playing, you know, out of his mind. He was great on the ice. He had a hat trick last year against, was it the Ducks? If I remember correctly. Yeah. You know, he was doing great. Now, all of a sudden, you know, everybody that he had great chemistry with, gone. Now he's got to try and, you know, find that again with a team that it might not even, you know, still be. You know, half of them might not even still be here by the next season. I can understand where he's coming from. You know, he wants to win, but, you know, that's something that just keeps continuously getting taken away from him. Especially rebuilds. I know we've kind of, I don't know, rebuilt a couple of times. This is, it feels like, the, like as you said, stripped of the studs. I love that expression, by the way. I'm going to steal that one. But I feel like this is the kind of one to ride out, I guess. It seems the most hopeful anyway. Like we actually have an actual plan. But I mean, to a player, though, competitive, I mean, it's hard to be that competitive and want to be on a losing team. No one wants to lose. No one wants to go out there, bust your ass for, you know, 60 minutes or whatever, only to lose. So. And the problem is, is we've had, we've had, and I get where he's coming from too. We've had GMs go up to him and tell him, hey, we're going to rebuild and then abandon that plan halfway through. I mean, the move John Taika made to compete now. Killed the Coyotes so bad that even with the great start Bill Armstrong has had to the rebuild, it put us probably a year behind on the rebuild. I mean, his very first draft here, where granted he wasn't technically here yet, but we didn't have a first, our first pick wasn't until the fourth, and then we drafted a guy who got cut so he technically didn't have a pick till the fifth round. Such a painful team to follow, my god. We just it's just, it's, yeah, it's painful. We need to stick this one out and that's where the problem comes in is we need to stick this one out. As much as I love Chickman, as good of a player as I think he is, he's not a good enough player to abandon the rebuild for. Um, if you can sell him on the vision, if you can sell him on the dream, if you can sell him on the goal, then that would be fantastic. That's the best case scenario for this. Get him on board, have him as a piece of the future, and tell him he'll be here when we're good and competing for cups. But it's going to take, take another rough year. And it's going to take at least a couple more until the... It's going to be like, like you said, it's going to be a rough next three, four years max. But after yeah. that, that's that's when the plan starts to come into play. That's when they'll start to become more and more competitive. 
that's when you'll see him start to make that push for a playoff spot. Yep, right about the time he becomes a free agent. And that's what that's what scares me about keeping him right now is that if we kept him, he could throw off so much of the rebuild by just walking for nothing at the end of this. I think Bill Armstrong knows that. I really do. I think he kind of knows, you know, he said, well, I mean, he meets, I'm sure they've talked. I'm sure they do talk or their agents talk. I'm, I'm sure, so I'm sure he'll kind of get a, which way that wind's going to blow. Hopefully. See, I feel but, like after, you know, the trade or, you know, the rumors came out saying, oh, Islanders contacted Coyotes and, you know, questioning about Chikrin's availability to be traded. I feel like as soon as that got out and he heard about that, that started messing with him mentally. Like, are they really looking to trade me? Like, you know, am I going to be here by the, you know, by the trade deadline? Am I going to be here for the end of the season? And what's stupid is we weren't looking at trading him then. We weren't. It wasn't until really he started warming to the idea of a trade that it really became loud and it really became, oh man, we could trade him type things. You know, because so, you... oh, never mind. No, no, finish the thought. No, I I honestly forgot what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, happens a lot here. Definitely, I get that all the time. It, it does. God, I dropped so many thoughts. My God, I mean to finish no, it out. Like, I guess. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's like okay, so you know him being traded. You know. Even Bill, okay, now I remember what I was going to say. Bill even said, you know, before these rumors came out, like, Chikrin and Keller were the only two untouchable players. Then it came down to just Keller is not going to be uh, traded. I think it's so like, much of that, personally, I think so much of that is because Chikrin warmed up to the idea of a trade. I really do. Either that or he was hearing some offers and it was like, well, Man, I gotta explore these offers type thing. Um because and I've said this before on podcast, you don't go from untouchable to on the block because of three months of bad play. So I we'll never really know officially how this all went down, but I'd be shocked if it wasn't one of those things where, I mean, if we did, I would be shocked if it wasn't one of those things where we started looking at trading him as he, as he grew more open to the idea of a trade and less open to the idea of sitting on this team and being bad for a while. Yeah. It's hard though. I mean, would you want to sit through rebuild? You know, I mean, I, I guess I would. If I really liked where I lived and stuff, but I mean, I can't imagine. It would suck. Would you? And this is this is where I understand where he's coming from. As a player, you have maybe twelve years where you're going to be able to make a true impact. You want to give up four of that and rebuild. Yeah. You want to have a you want to have a quarter of your career spent in a rebuild. Or more. Yeah. Sometimes even more than that. And that's just it. His whole career has been spent in rebuild up to this point. Um, okay. I mean, I can't say I wouldn't want to walk away. 
Yeah, I get where he's coming from. I don't hold any hard feelings towards Chickering over this. I don't hold any hard feelings towards Bill or General Bill Armstrong on this because I think they're both just doing what they need to do for each other. Why they're both doing what? Well, it's a business at the end of the day. Like they always say yeah. it's a business at the end of the day. I mean, so is what? your career. Your career is a business. The Cowboys have a business. I mean, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to stick around with the rebuild. I really don't. No. It's like you said, you know, if he gets traded, I wish him the best of luck wherever he ends up. And I hope Absolutely. Bill got what he needed to make this team the best that he possibly can. Yep. yep. And you know what, in five years, I mean, who knows? He can even maybe come back here. Maybe he's one of the additions we get. You know, you never know. You just never know. It's a crazy, crazy world out there. To finish up, are we ready for the listener questions? Let's hit them. All right. Randy, let's hear him. All right. So first off, we have from Pred 2 we have, if the Coyotes do tend to make comebacks like forming tornadoes, should they be in the playoffs for next year and the new arena built after the temporary home at ASU? One thing... I do want to say about this real quick is I understand the desire to make the playoffs. I understand all of that. I get it completely. But that would be the worst possible thing that this team could do right now. That would be doing exactly what has happened with our previous rebuilds where we never see them through. We still need we still need pieces to add to this core. We still need pieces to make us a cup contender. Um, making the playoffs next year resigns us in large part to mediocrity and having to hope for a lot of luck in the draft that you get one of those pieces to fall to you where outside the lottery. Um, I don't think this team's going to be a playoff team next year. I think it's going to be about the same as it was this year, but with uh, a little bit more watchability where we don't have a 13-game losing streak with an 11-game losing streak in the same season. Um, I think you're going to see it more spread out. You're going to see more close games in total, but I think it's going to be one of those where we're here again. And with the way next year's draft class is looking, I mean, as good as Shane Wright is, he'd go fourth overall next year. There's seven players who would probably go second overall in next year's draft. Next year's draft is incredible. So, we need to get these pieces. How about what do you boys have to say about that? I okay. think. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. No, you go ahead. Okay. I was like, really? I mean, you nailed it. I mean, I'd rather. I hate to say it. I mean, you know, the season's been painful. Luckily, I've been working a lot of the uh, games that I've gotten to experience the not much of Damascus as you, uh, Grandy, and probably you, Dale, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think I'd rather just. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to sit and be middle of the road. I want 
and I've said this a couple of times, I want to have that team. I want to be that team that people are like, holy crap, we're playing the Coyotes because they built something like the Sun, something like Florida, someone that kind of keep their head down, build it up right, get in there, and start winning the games. That's what I really want over anything. I'll take a couple of seasons of loss. I'll have fun out of that way. I'll get beer to a hockey game. I'm not going to make any hockey game fun. So that's what I want more than anything. Players like the Red Wings have, Lucas Raymond, etc. all that. Just That's what I want. So hopefully, these seasons of pain make that happen. I hope. I trust Bill Armstrong. But uh, Dale, what you got? It's like you said. No, I don't think this team should go for the playoffs next year. It'd be kind of dumb. Name of the game next year is to tank your butt out for uh, Connor Bedard. This kid has been on fire. He's probably even a little bit better than Shane Wright right now. He is that generational talent that the Coyotes are in desperate need of. So, you know, like you said, going, trying to make a playoff run, abandoning a rebuild, that'd just be the dumbest move that they could possibly do right now. I'll take yeah. that. That's, that's what we need. I want perennial goodness in a couple of years. So. Yeah, I don't want to be a team that's okay with making the playoffs either. I didn't, because I've spent my whole, year, my whole life cheering for a team just to make the playoffs. I want to cheer for a team that we know should make it further in the playoffs, that we know should win playoff rounds, that we know should win a cup. I want to cheer for a team. I want 2012 where, but I want that for a more sustained amount of time where you know going in, hey, we could be the best team out there tonight. I mean, even the games we won this year, how many of them were we truly the best team? Um, we got outplayed so in so many of those wins. Uh, and it was one of those things I talked about after our winning streak in February. Goalies against us in that month with an eight fifteen save percentage. To put that in perspective, that was worse than Carter Hutton's save percentage. I mean, what was this? It was, it was like seven point six five or something like that. It was like seven points. You're something. right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm off. Hold on. Let me pull this up in my notes real quick. This he is had couple, like an almost this is a couple months goal. back. Uh, let's see. It's uh... so, my bad. We actually had the goalies against us in that winning streak had a seven five five save percentage. That's what I get for trying to go off of memory. <laughs> um, that's not sustainable. Seven forty-one this year. What it says? Oh, that's still better than I. That's worse yeah, than I thought. Seven forty-one, according to HockeyReference.com. Oh, his worst year actually. That's just, that's just ugly. Yeah, his worst by a good margin. And his second worst is like nine oh eight. Bad as he was, seven five five is not that much better. No, we were no, essentially going up against Carter Hutton in net most of that month. That means he listens to this. I hope he, hope he knows we're just we're still fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're going to hear this, Carter, Carter, we we appreciate everything you did for yeah, the team. Thank honestly. you. Yeah, <laughs> Carter started on the right track because without that 13 game streak, 
come on, man. I like to say that, on, uh, man. You, know, you know, that uh, Columbus game, you know, right off the bat, you know, that, that was just uh, a fluke. Oh, oh. come on. LA Sports. Also, mm. it's 4 3 now, right? Correct. 5 14 left in the third. Man, if LA beats out Edmonton. I'm going to laugh. Is Connor McDavid going to demand a trade tomorrow? <laughs> I thought he was going to demand a trade when they got swept by Winnipeg. Um, LA wins. So, um, but we still have one more question in the team. I wonder who asked that one. From Dale, we have Oh, I had a question? (laughs) Yes, you did. If the Coyotes (laughs) don't get the first overall pick, who do you guys believe is the next best option for the Coyotes after staying right? I mean, we already kind of talked about this, but I'll go into it in a little bit more detail here. For me, it's Shane Wright, number one, Logan Cooley, number two, Simon Nemec, number three, and Yurash Slavkovsky, number four. You. Um, Yurej Slavkovsky might be the second best player in this draft class, but he's also a winger, and we have Gunther at wing, we have Keller at wing, we have guys at wing already. We need that center, we need that defenseman, we need those two pieces in particular. We need to come away from the draft with one of those two players, hopefully. If we do get Yurej Slavkovsky, it'll be great, it'll be fantastic. But we need that center. And it just puts us one more year towards just needing to get that center. Um, if And if the Coyotes do draft Logan Cooley, if we do wind up with him, I will say, with him being at the University of Minnesota, I will be going to mini games. Awesome. So. Uh, but yeah, what's your point of thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know it for me. So, yeah, I also think we just go for Logan Cooley for expectations. Go for Logan Cooley. I think so too, but I also the kids played great. Getting him, I think, to get him, you need the second overall pick because it's Um, honestly probably going to go right and then Cooley. Yep, back simply because centers are so hard to find. They are so top line centers. Yeah. It's going to go... It's more than likely going to go right. If a team that already has good centers gets that second overall pick, then maybe they go Slepkovsky. But I think at the end of the day, when the draft gets here, you're going to see it go right and Cooley for 90% of the teams that have a possibility of picking two. So to get Cooley, we need that. That's why I bring up those other names, because I'm just keeping my options open, and I'm keeping my hope up for if we do fall. What about this um, Skolovsky kid? What do you think about him? Because he can play left, right, and center. At least that's what they have him listed as. He's a winger. He's not a center. Um, But yeah, Slavkovsky's going to be great. He's 
looks like another Miko Rantanen in the making. A guy with size, skill, speed, hands. The total package. If 6'4", 218, and he's only 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be unreal. Already has an NHL body. I mean, he's going to be great. He's going to be good for whatever team picks him. And I think there's a few teams that would go him at second overall. Um, and I think you're going to see him be the consensus number three overall pick. By the time the draft gets here, he'd be a stud. Like I said, as long as the Coyotes get the top four pick, which we're guaranteed the top four pick, I was happy because I'm happy getting any of Wright, Uli, Slavkovsky, and Nemich. So... So I'm looking at this uh, website. I'm not sure if you guys are ever in there. Tankathon. Oh, I've if been. the okay. So if the you were to look at you know, today. yeah, if the draft were to happen today, Coyotes would have the second uh, second pick, thirtieth, thirty first, thirty fourth, and thirty sixth pick. Those those yep. are going to be some pretty good picks right there. Yes, those will be are. some top tier players that we'll be able to get to help. Ease this rebuild a bit. So, yeah, do you? Ex- or, oh, oh, go ahead. No, I'll ask the question. I was say, do we expect to see Gunther in the lineup next year? Or do we just see him down in the WHL for another year? I expect him to be in the WHL another year, simply because Bill Armstrong's talked about the slow, the slow cooking the prospects type thing. Um. Just playing it slow with them. We've seen it already take place with guys like Yannick, who maybe could have been up this year for longer, but he decided to let him stay in the AHL to get more time and experience. Um, I would expect him to be in the W, but if he comes in and he has a great camp, he can. it's up to him to make it impossible for the Coyotes to send him back down. Which, no matter how bad we think we're going to be next year, is always a possibility. So, see, I would love to see him in Coyote next year, selfishly, but I just want what's best for his developmental. So, whatever the team does with him, I'll be happy with. I would love to see him come up, you know, but after the rebuild, because I want to see him put on a Calder, or yeah, a Calder contending year. I don't want him to be on this team just to have a meh season and then, you know, miss out on the chance on getting the Calder trophy. What I would love to see is dueling coyotes for not next year's. Calder, but the year after, with Gunther, Hooley, and whoever we draft with the uh, that year's pick. So there's a couple guys that are going to be ready to jump right to the NHL in that year. So sign them to um, their ELC, send them down to Tucson almost immediately. <laughs> oh, I mean, have them play in the NHL. 
both Bedard and Fantilli are probably going to be year one players. Oh, easily. So, um. So yeah, have a uh, get one of those guys. Have those three fighting each other for the Calder Trophy? Yes, please. So okay, I got one more question for you guys. After next year's draft, after you know we get our pieces, do you think we still remain a tanking team, or is this where we start actually the rebuild and let these kids start to develop and you know work out what they need? We start we slowly learn. becoming more and more competitive. Yeah, I think we start letting them. We start winning games. You're not trying to necessarily lose as many. I think we kind of slowly let them kind of find their, like you said, you know, find their way and see what works, what doesn't. But yeah, I think we definitely stop like trying to not be I, good, but not trying to be too good. I think we're still a bad team for the simple fact that most young teams are bad teams. It takes experience and getting to know the NHL before you can truly make an impact winning. Even Warner McDavid needed a year in the NHL before he could truly impact winning. Um, so I think we'll be a bad team, but we won't be anywhere near as bad as we've been this year or as bad as I think we will be next year. I could see us being more closer to the 10th, 11th overall pick than the first that year. And then every year from there, just taking incremental growth until we become a yearly playoff contender. And then going from there and becoming a, a yearly cup contender. Like that. Sounds like a perfect about, roadmap. All about playing every step right. And I think we finally have that GM in, in the scouting staff. Big shouts out to the scouting staff who found us so many of our pieces already. Spicy Dylan's fun to watch. Scouting staff from St. Louis over on to um, onto the our scouting team. Uh, we got a scout from St. Louis. We got a scout from Colorado. We got a scout from Tampa. Like we pretty much picked from all the best drafting teams and took scouts from them. So that's pretty awesome. Like our. Uh, of amateur scouting is a guy who was in Tampa and you've seen what they've been able to do with their drafting. Yep. Our professional scout, our head of professional scouting was the head of amateur scouting from Colorado. And you've seen what they've been able to do with their drafting. Yeah. So we've made a lot of great hires. We have the backbone there. It's just about now flushing out the roster. So, wow. Oh, boys, are we ready to uh, wrap this sucker up? Yeah, it's uh, probably so. about time. Okay. Well, Dale, thanks for joining us today, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's uh, been a pleasure. Can... I thank you for letting me on. Absolutely. Hope you can join us for our draft specials we got going on. Sounds like a bar. Our draft specials we have planned for later in the summer, so. Can't wait. Any closing thoughts, boys? uh, Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing and doing what you do with us. Um, Thank you, Dale, for being on. Really appreciate it. And 
we look forward to having you on again, hopefully sometime soon. So you know where I'm at. I will be here if you need me. Sounds good, man. That being said, from all of us here at the Chirp and Yodis podcast, we will see you next time.